from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I've learned by now that I have very few skills besides comedy, almost no skills, practically speaking, besides comedy. So I'm lucky that I'm making money doing this. This kind of begs the question, do you feel like you know how to cope with this world? Absolutely not. That's, I mean, I think that it's why you keep making stuff, you keep making art to figure out, okay, well, maybe this is the way to understand people and pain and and so you keep making things and hopefully land on something eventually. I'm Sarah Fenske. Joe Firestone grew up in Clayton, but these days you might associate her with Michigan's Upper Peninsula. She's a writer, producer, and co-star of the hit adult swim show Joe Parra Talks With You, set in an all-too-believable version of Marquette, Michigan. The show depicts the travails of a mild-mannered high school choir teacher, played by comedian Joe Parra. The fictional Joe Parra finds love with fellow music teacher Sarah, an anxious doomsday prepper played by Joe Firestone. I couldn't believe it yesterday when they brought up arming as teachers at the faculty meeting. Just a conversation, I guess. There have been a lot of school shootings this year. You teaching choir with a gun. Society's sick. Then I got home and saw how far down the market was. People are losing faith. Chinese manufacturing is slowing, sure, but that big a dip in a week? I couldn't sleep at all last night. Sorry. If you had called, I could have told you some quiet facts about how the first known chairs date back to ancient Egypt, 5,000 years ago. What did people sit on before then? Stools, floors, the ground. Well, lucky for you, I got some folding chairs in the back. And that is from Joe Para Talks With You, a comedy series about youpers, now in its third season. And joining us now is writer, producer, and co-star Joe Firestone. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Hi. So Joe Para talks with you. It has such unusual pacing and such unusual sensibility for modern comedy. Was it hard at first to adjust to this slower-paced and totally deadpan world? Uh, well, we're, I mean, we're mostly writing for Joe, and Joe uh, Para. he has that uh, kind of style in his comedy uh, that he was doing before he sold the show. So it was kind of just figuring out ways to build stories around his you know, already honed sense of humor. So it is a very honed sense of humor. It's also a very slow way of talking. And when he's talking sometimes, I just want to (laughs) interrupt. Do you find yourself having to hold yourself back? Um, Well, yeah, I guess. So there's this kind of rule of thumb in script writing where a minute, it's like a minute, a page. So if you have like a 30 page script, it's going to be 30 minutes. But uh, because Joe talks so slowly, the scripts have to be, the episodes are like 11 minutes and the scripts have to be like seven to eight pages. Wow. So you even have to adjust your writing for this. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. So your character, Sarah, I find her so charming. I also wonder, like, what does she see in Joe? He doesn't seem to have as much energy as her. Um, I I think that she, you know, I think she likes that Joe kind of has this innocence and this earnestness that she doesn't, I think she wants to have, but uh, is too um, anxious to kind of... um, 
have that kind of part of her personality, and I think that Joe kind of uh, fills fills that in for her. Hmm. So she does have so much anxiety about the future. I wonder <laughs> if that's something that that you find yourself sharing with her these days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we were writing this uh, in in the lockdown this season, and yeah, a lot of us were feeling really, really anxious, and you know, trying to. It, the show takes place in 2018, so you know, we weren't going to write it about the pandemic, but just kind of seeing like, you know, maybe this character who's already a little anxious can kind of start to, you know, can start to be more relatable than she has been in the past. Yeah, I mean, you might think a prepper is out there, but then with like the events of the last couple of years, Sarah might be the most sensible person on any comedy show out there. Sure. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But yes. Uh-huh. So you mentioned this innocence and earnestness. And I feel like a lot of people associate that with the Midwest. And certainly this is a Midwestern show. Do you think this show gets the Midwest right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the writers are from the Midwest. And, um, you know, like, I think we try to spend time in um, Marquette and try to kind of make sure that we're portraying people as as real people and and you know flavoring it with you know a few people have accents and you know we try to make sure that a few people had two fridges that's a very midwest thing (laughs) totally is a midwestern thing (laughs) Uh so you've you've done actual research though you've been up there in marquette sort of like looking around for ideas or, or more looking around for that just sort of local color yeah, we, we spent some time in Marquette, and we also, you know, have made some friends in Marquette through the years. So, like, you know, you learn, and people in Marquette give feedback. They're like, oh, well, we really like, you know, the the iron, like, we, like just certain things that they like and certain things that they really value about their area Then we try to incorporate in the show because, you know, we're lucky to be filming there. So they don't feel mocked. They feel like this is this is showing them in a way that, that they're happy with. Yeah, I know. And we're not trying to mock anyone. We're just trying to portray characters that would live in a cold, uh, quiet area. Yeah. So a cold, quiet area. So you're from an area that's not quite as cold, not quite as quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You grew up in Clayton, Clayton High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How did you end up going from there to being a comedian in New York City? You know, I don't I guess I uh, I uh, went to college in, um, at Wesleyan University and then I met uh, a pal there, Dylan Marin, and he uh, he and I started doing comedy together and started touring around. And he was from New York, so it just seemed like, oh, well, maybe this city's not as scary as I thought. Maybe we can, you know, do comedy here. And uh, yeah, I've been here for about 11 years. So and, is it true that if you hadn't found this whole comedy thing, you would have become a social worker, maybe? I don't think I would have been very good. I, I've learned... By now that I have very few skills besides comedy, that I literally no, almost no skills, practically speaking, besides comedy. So I'm lucky that I'm making money doing this. So this whole social work thing, you might have pursued it, but you don't think it would have worked out. Yeah, I definitely don't think it would have worked out. I, I've tried a lot of different things. I've done a lot of food service, really bad at that, really bad at most most jobs, but yeah. Well, I feel like food service is so hard. Like compared to that, maybe comedy is, is easy. 
Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely less rejection in food service, but you know, it's definitely it's it's messier. Well, so thinking of you maybe almost having been a social worker or maybe attempted that right out of college, it actually fit into for me at least, it fit into this new comedy special you have that you can stream now on Peacock. And this kind of like Joe Para is a really unusual premise for a comedy special, but it's also very gentle and, and very funny at the same time. This comes out of an online comedy class you taught seniors during the pandemic. That frankly sounds like a nightmare, having all these seniors <laughs> trying to figure out the technology to join you for an online comedy class. What could have possibly made you want to do that? Well, I started it uh, three weeks before the pandemic. So, you know, I wasn't intending to do an online class and it was only supposed to go for 13 weeks and uh, it was going to be in person. And then, uh, you know, we moved online and then it, it did, everybody was pretty savvy with the Zoom stuff. Like if somebody's muted, then everybody yells, yeah, you're muted. You know, like it's very, everybody helps each other out. If somebody can't get their audio to work, everybody screams at them to get their, you know, restart the, and um, yeah, but it's it's just kept going and, you know, we're, we're still doing it now. It's, uh, it's still going. So this was supposed to be 13 weeks. You've been doing it how long? Um, I, I guess March through, it'll be, it'll be two years. Uh, it'll be two years in March. I, I assume or, at some yeah, point yeah. You, you've reauthorized a new charge on their credit card. Or are you just doing this for fun <laughs> at this point? I, I get uh, I, I get a small I've negotiated that I get um, I get like a small fee through the Department of the Aging. OK, so that's now I'm now it's like a and yeah, so this is maybe not the highest been, paid gig, but it, but no, it sounds like it, no. it's been satisfying. Yeah, and it's enough, you know, you get a you get a hamburger, get a couple hamburgers, you're good to go, you know. That's. So so these seniors, uh, do they have a natural aptitude for comedy, the, the ones in your class? Yeah, there's about 26 of them in the class. Only 16 did the special because, you know, the other people, they were saying, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready for prime time. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really funny group. And they, I think that they all, it's been really fun to see them kind of learn and develop their voices and kind of bounce off of each other. And it's really fun to see people making each other laugh. Like that's probably the best part is like they have all these inside jokes now and all these different relationships and they know how to kind of get each other going. It's it's really a fun way to start the week. That does sound fun. And so you were able to switch to in-person um, at some point in all this? We never switched to in-person but uh, we did film the special at a time when it felt a little bit safer. It was like that three weeks. Of, <laughs> you of squeezed safety. it in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so we, we filmed it then. And then, yeah. And so it, it, it's still been online. So you're yeah. back to online. And, and there's there's no Zoom fatigue for this class. The comedy just keeps coming. Yeah. I'm shocked, but everybody, you know, everybody keeps coming, and so I keep teaching it, and I think if people stopped going, maybe it'd stop, but, you know, everybody seems pretty invested in it, which is it's great. Well, so you have this special out now. Again, this is on Peacock TV. It's called Good Timing with Joe Firestone, if you want to see this online senior comedy class that Joe taught during the pandemic that just keeps going and going and going, apparently <laughs> using taxpayer dollars to pay you for this boondoggle. <laughs> <laughs> but so the comedy that, that these seniors are doing as this continues, um, are, are they getting better and better? Will there be a second special in this? Uh, I don't know. They are getting better for sure. It's It's been 
I think it's just kind of fun. Like we try to do this thing where like you, we meet every week and then like at the, at the beginning of the week, we talk about, okay, did you find anything funny in the last week? Did anything funny happen to you? And it's really fun to see more and more people kind of sharing, you know, what, what funny thing happened to them and everybody's starting to see, you know, their day-to-day life in, uh, in a more kind of like light and humorous way, which is so important, especially now. Yeah, that seems like such a great writing prompt, and it seems like just a great prompt for life in general. Do you feel like there's maybe more commonalities between learning how to be a comedian and, and just learning how to cope with this this world we're in? Maybe. I mean, most comedians I know do not know how to cope at all, but yeah, there must be some kind of middle ground. I got to ask, I mean, this kind of begs the question, do you feel like you know how to cope with this world? Absolutely not. That's. I mean, I think that it's why you... Um, you know, you keep making stuff, you keep making art to figure out, okay, well, maybe this is the way to understand people and pain. And and so you keep making things and hopefully land on something eventually when, you know, after you've made enough. And so you had this, this wonderful pandemic project, this online comedy class. How else did you stay busy when you couldn't do stand-up? You know, everything was shut down. Now in some places it feels like it's shutting down again. But, you know, it's been a long time for a comedian. Yeah. Um, we did a few online shows. like, um, And then, yeah, I, I was lucky to have a few uh, writer's room opportunities that I did over Zoom. But, yeah, it was a lot of you know, looking at um, catalogs of English muffins and, you know, picking out what looks the best and thinking about what if we ordered it, you know, that, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of... So you kind of fill in some time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I saw on your, your online calendar, this is at joefirestone.com, you were doing some stand-up there in November. Do you feel like that's going to continue, that New York still feels pretty safe to be out there in public at this point? Yeah, they're all vaccinated venues and, you know, you wear your mask until you're on stage, then you put your mask back on. It's, it feels pretty safe and, you know, people keep coming out. It's, and, you know, knock on wood, I haven't gotten sick yet, you know, and so I think it's like this kind of thing where it's like, it feels so good and it feels so social and um, you get to work on your craft. And so I think the pros... Uh, right now we're outweighing the cons while, yeah. while it feels relatively safe. It must have been huge to be back um, in front of a live audience again for the first time. Yeah. The, and it, when we first came back, we were doing a lot of outdoor shows. And so, like, you know, usually outdoor shows, the left goes up into the sky. You can't even hear it. But it, it was so much louder than anything I'd experienced in uh, the last 15 months that I was like, oh, my gosh, I really did well. Like, you just kind of, you're kind of so blown away that people would react to something you say. You kind of forget that that's an amazing feeling. Do you think in some ways audiences were ready to laugh even louder, too? Because there they were finally getting to laugh in a room with other people. Yes, for sure. And yeah, I think there was kind of this explosive energy that's still there a lot in a lot of ways. Like the people that want to be there really want to be there and really seems like they really need to laugh. And it's um, it feels like it's there's a relationship there between comedians and audiences that um, has gotten um, more more close. So there's one thing I wanted to make sure 
to play for you today as we were talking to you. And this is something your father, Fred Firestone, was on our show back in 2017. (laughs) And he was there. He was talking about this project you were doing together. So, of course, you came up. um, And he told us all about your New York hustle at that time. I want to play a sweet moment from that conversation. We're very proud of her. She's uh, she went to New York about seven years ago, and uh, you know started. She she has a unique approach. She starts these shows. She had a some. She has something called the Inner Beauty Contest, and where she uh, it's under the comedy guys evaluates with the audience beauty. Uh, she has a program called uh, a dating program where it's kind of a play on the old newlywed game. Mm-hmm. Uh, pardon me, old. Uh, uh, dating game. So, mm-hmm. and then now she's recently she's a, a writer now with uh, Jimmy Fallon. It's exciting. We want her to pursue her passion. We, we told our kids mm-hmm. that you know, find something you really love to do and pursue it. So that is Fred Firestone, the father of actor Joe Firestone, who's our guest today. Fred was on this show in 2017. Kind of cool to hear him singing your praises there, Joe. Yeah, that's very nice. Thanks, Fred. So he was talking about the Punderdome. This is the live mm-hmm. pun competition that you guys were doing together. Is that something that could resume post-pandemic? Yeah, he's he resumed it. He was doing a few shows up here in New York. Uh, I think the last one was um, maybe... Uh, October, yeah, it, it was in October. So, yeah, he was he's doing it. It's amazing. Uh, and are you you're no longer a part of the Punderdome? You've handed that off. I've handed it off. Yeah, I've handed it off. You've and, outgrown um, puns. Well, I love puns, but yeah, it was. I think that once I started getting work, which I felt very lucky to get work, these they really um, they keep you pretty long hours. So I had to cut back on my commitments. So when your dad was on our show, he did mm-hmm. just this incredible impersonation of Rodney Dangerfield. Is that something oh, you were sure. subjected to frequently as a child? Oh, yeah. I mean, you only get an incredible impression by doing it repeatedly for your family uh, for years. You know, that's how it, it turns into a diamond, you know. So, yeah, we definitely heard a lot, a lot of Rodney Dangerfield. Maybe, too, I'd say maybe too much. Just yeah. Maybe a little bit too much. Is, yeah. is that maybe what uh, propelled you towards college? You were like, hey, you know what? If I'm going to listen to Rodney Dangerfield, I've got to at least like do this myself. <laughs> I hope not. But it's possible. That's possible that that's, that's what got me into it. Yeah. And, and do you do any impressions? I do um, almost no impressions. I, I can't really um, do impressions at all. But I guess I should maybe spend some more time working on my Rodney Dangerfield I feel like that would be really cool. You know, we could have the father daughter sure. Roger Dangerfield sure. duo. If yeah, you ever want to do the that, you want. Yes. Yeah, we can find you a stage in St. Louis that would be happy Thank to host you. this. That's yeah. so nice. Thank you, Sarah. Well, Joe Firestone, it's been so nice to talk to you about all these different projects. I feel like you have just so many interesting things you're working on, and I appreciate you joining us today to, to share all about it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so cool. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here.
If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.